Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. Later on the show, we'll be talking to TV writer Leslie Arfin. But before, like we're doing now, uh, Kim, let's have a check-in. How is your week going? How are you? You know, Romelini, it's been an emotional roller coaster. Oh, fuck. It's been a real, it's been a whirlwind of a couple of weeks. Would you care to tell me about it? Um, well, I'm in love. Fuck! Yep, it's true. It's true. It happened. It's kind of crazy. So in, in coinc in, in coincidation, what is the word? <laughs> <laughs> Coinciding with that, I haven't slept in like a week. I've got oh. like the world's worst insomnia and I keep feeling like I'm gonna throw up. Oh God. And I just think this love shit is is, is like really hard on an over forty lady. You know, I was thinking about that because obviously I I knew you were in love off podcast and (laughs) I've been, I've been thinking about you being in love and I was thinking about how much energy it took for me to be in love when I was last in love with my husband, which was like a total, like, oh my God, I I need to see you every second. I'm at like, just want to smush face. I just want to be with you. And I was thinking about like, that took a lot out of me. it's taking a lot out of me he's like this morning he was like are you gonna die (laughs) (laughs) no die from love (laughs) (laughs) well i mean and the insomnia thing is real like for everybody but you go first because you might want to talk more about love no, 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 no. I'm just, you know, I'm like, I'm just, I just thought I'd throw that out there. But it's just been, it's been a crazy fucking two weeks, I just have to say. But the insomnia is real. It is really real for perimenopausal women. And clear, you know, now that I'm, I'm menopausal, I guess it's true for them too. 
Did that sentence just make I, sense? What did I just say? It did. It did. It did. It made sense. And I'm following you. And like last week, I think it was, I didn't get your joke because I was, I had had insomnia uh -huh. and I told you that I can no longer drink an iced tea unless I counteract it with a sedative at the end of the night. <laughs> I can't have an iced tea like after 11 a.m., or I have to take, like, I have to up my edible. Like it is, because if not, I'll wake up. And it's not that I can't fall asleep. It's that that 2.30, 3am, like, oh, I'm just awake now. And that's just fucking it. That's the end of my sleep. And it's so anxiety producing and maddening. It's a fiery inferno. It's a fiery fucking inferno, insomnia. Yes. And it destroys you because then, you know, then you're, then you're a zombie. Then you don't know how, I mean, I already can barely talk to people, <laughs> um, but this makes it worse. What are you doing for insomnia? Like, do you have any, do you have any tricks and tips? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, the things that have worked for me in the past just aren't working now. Like lavender doesn't work. Medication okay. doesn't work. Taking a hot bath doesn't work. I know I should be doing some cardio. I think that would help. Yes. Cardio works. The class has like an 11 minute. So I, I belong to the horrible, I mean, maybe it's not horrible. I, I belong to the class, which is that exercise phenom. Yep, and, yep. but they have, they have like 12 minute cardio. That's just like a bunch of jumping jacks. And like, I feel like that's enough. I think it's, I think it's that you need 147 minutes a week of cardio or maybe uh -huh. it's 159 i don't know <laughs> you can get there you, it's like such something ridiculously precise you can get there in small increments is what i've realized yep i think that's true that's the philosophy behind the seven minute workout too i would guess uh, maybe but the thing is you could do it and it does help that does help with the insomnia but it's who wants to do it and also when you're in love it's just like who gives a shit who gives a <laughs> like, shit plus the other thing is and here's the other thing i have to say about love right now yes. and how i'm feeling because as anyone who listened to our patreon episode the other day uh, knows i have been feeling very discouraged about dating yeah i just want to say to the single ladies out there keep swiping just keep swiping, keep going out. It's really fucking hard and it kind of sucks, you know, and it's kind of soul depleting, but it's a numbers game too, I think. I think so too. And like, you really, I mean, you really were dating, like not a lot, like I'm not, I don't want it, but you went on dates, like you kept trying. You were like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it again. Yeah. And, and you had like some real disappointments and then some massive duds. Yeah. And it's exciting to land on this because also I remember even when I fell in love with Alex, which I was in my thirties and I remember being surprised like because I felt like oh I didn't think I was going to feel this again like yeah. I, I didn't think I was going to get this because it's such a specific kind of connection and it it's overwhelming but it's like so joyous and I remember thinking I wouldn't get it again and when I got it and I'm imagining you're feeling like that too. I really never thought I would get it again. I mean I really didn't and the fact that it feels like so much better than other past things so far and it's still excruciatingly early yeah but um 
is kind of amazing. It kind of makes you think that like miracles can happen. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's a fucking miracle. I want you to know that I am so overjoyed for you and also that your joy is, even though you're exhausted, your joy has been contagious Aww. and it's really, it's really nice to be witnessing this and it's very exciting for me. So I'm happy for you. Thank you, Romelini. Should we get into the show? Yeah, yeah, we can get into the show. <laughs> we can get into the show. Okay, that's what we're going to do now. Leslie Arfin is an awesome guest, and um, you should also Google her. She has many cool shows that you should watch. Yep, yep, she was the coolest. Our guest today is television writer and producer Leslie Arfin, who recently wrote and produced the HBO series Betty. Leslie was also a staff writer on the show Girls in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. In 2016, she created the fantastic Netflix show Love with her husband, Paul Rust, and producer Judd Apatow. Love was based on Leslie and Paul's early relationship and aired for three seasons. Welcome, Leslie. We are so excited you're here. I am so excited to be your guest. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah, I'm super stoked too. And one of the reasons we wanted to have you on here is because, you know, this is a show about getting older. And you really seem to me like a person who is thriving more and more as you get older. And so I wanted to talk to you about like aging and how you're feeling about being in your forties. Thank you. I hope to keep having more success as I get older. Cause I always feel like I haven't peaked yet. I, it's nice to hear you say that I'm thriving. Sometimes I don't feel like that's true. How does it feel? I wonder to know that you haven't peaked yet. I'm so aware that I have. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just like, I haven't done the thing. I haven't done like, I maybe, I don't know what it is though. Like, it's just not, I haven't done the thing that I have wanted to do my entire life, but I've done lots of things that I've wanted to do my entire life. Like I always wanted to write a book and I did, but like it's, that wasn't the thing. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, I have, I haven't peaked yet. Like love was like an amazing experience and opportunity, but like it wasn't the thing I had to like wriggle my way in to get anything that I wanted on that show. Like I was not, it was not like my vision. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't, and that's not to say that's good or bad. Like it was great. It was right. It was a great show. It just wasn't like, I just didn't have that much to do with it being great. How did, how did it feel to watch a show that was based on your relationship go further afield from it than you wanted it to? Well, that, that, in that aspect, I did want it. Like it was the, 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 the way that we started writing it was based on our relationship or based on what we knew, but I never, it staying true to who, to who we are and what our relationship is. That was never, I, that was never a concern to me. I never was like holding on to like, we have to put this in. This is what really happened. Like, no, not at all. Like I actually prefer it to live its own life and 
those characters where they may have started from a place of me and Paul, they quickly changed into two totally different people and, and in a great way. Like, you know, once you add actors to the equation, everything changes shape. I mean, the more people you collaborate with on a project, the more it changes. And so mm -hmm. I love that. Like the, that kind of change is, I'm really into, I'm never, I actually prefer not to tell my story because we can make it better. Like an actors get involved and then it becomes like they put part of their experience in and right. But when I mean by like, what I mean by saying it wasn't really mine, I didn't get to choose the music. I didn't get to choose the director. Like I just didn't have a lot of, I didn't get to write as many scripts as I wanted. I just didn't have as much creative power, you know, but that's fine because I wasn't ready for that at that time. Like I was, I was, I learned a lot from being on that show and Right. Yeah. No, but I, I get that. I get that feeling of that. I haven't peaked yet. Cause I, I feel I'm 48 and I feel that too. Like I've done a lot of stuff and I've done a lot of stuff that I wanted to do, but there is that feeling of I'm not done yet. And I feel that sort of fire. And I wonder if part of that is, I mean, for me, it was being kind of an immature person for a really long time. So I don't feel like even though I might be this age, I don't feel sort of internally this age. I still feel like I have so much to learn and so much yet to do, you know? Yeah. Well, there's nothing as we get older, like we evolve as people, like we get smarter, we know more, we're better when we do something the next time we do it we're better at it because we have reference to having had experience and doing it before you can only get that with age like unless you're a wonderkind and you make something totally genius and original when you're 20 and clearly that's possible many people have that I'm not one of those people which that's I'm fine with that if I had had that kind of experience in my 20s I I wouldn't have been able to handle it. You did have some early success, though. You were pretty successful in your 20s. You were writing for Vice. You, you published a book in your 20s. I mean, those are, those are things that people look at as real accomplishments. Thank you. And I felt like they were accomplishments, too. And I felt like it was success on a certain level. But look, like my Dear Diary wasn't, it was never on a New York Times bestseller list. It's not an audio, it's not on Audible now. Like, it was like an independent book that like my friends bought, like no, but you know what I mean? Like it, I didn't achieve like worldwide or even like nationwide fame or recognition. Like I wrote for Vice, I started as an intern and I wrote for other magazines, but I was still working at a hotel. Like it's, I wasn't, I was working, I was working and I was, and I did have some success, but I was learning a lot too. And I wasn't that good at what I did. Like, I, I don't know if you've read Dear Diary lately, but like, it's not good. And I'm not saying that to be modest. I'm saying it from somebody who wrote it when they were, I, I was, you know, I started writing it when I was 26 or something. I worked at Vice. It's very, it has a very Vice voice, mm -hmm. which was like cute at the time and great, but it doesn't age well. There's, there are authors who are in their twenties and I read some of the, and I'm like blown away, you know? I mean, like 
But also when we're young, we don't make the smartest business decisions either, right? Like how would you have known to position that book the way that would set it up for better success? I mean, you know, like how you didn't understand the publishing world. You get offered a book deal and you're like, yeah, I'll take it. Right. I mean, I imagine. Totally. I still don't understand the publishing world and I still don't know how to make good business decisions. I don't, I don't know if that's an age thing or like just somebody who has good business sense, which I'm not sure I do, but it definitely has, it definitely has gotten better with age. But it's also like, how motivated are you about money? Like money really motivates some people. Like, and I I think it's interesting how people are motivated by different things. And I wonder if you're just not motivated by money. It's probably like 70, 30. Creativity, creativity, 70 and money, 30. Yeah. That, That sounds about right though. That's a good ratio. Cause the money is important, but I can't, I can't work on something that I'm not creatively inspired by or creatively motivated to do, but I can work on something I'm creatively motivated to do without it paying. Even if it's not paying a lot, it has to be a a substantial amount or at least payment in clout or taste or, you know, like I loved working on Betty. It was a very creatively fulfilling experience. And I love working for HBO, but like people who make a lot of money do HBO as like a side job. Like HBO isn't a, doesn't pay a lot. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like HBO is, is not network TV. It's paid for cable. They don't put out a bunch of shows. Like they, they're very select about the shows they put out. They put their money into shows like Game of Thrones and they put their money and Westworld and they put their money into production, what they do have of it. It's not like Netflix where they had a bunch of money from subscribers. Like there was no different business model for HBO. It started as pay pay for TV and that's where it still is. Like it never changed. And so it's amazing to work on an HBO show because of the prestige that you get because they don't just pick up anything, but that's not the money job. No. If you want people who are really motivated by money, make big studio movies and, and sitcoms. And those people are amazing. I, and maybe they are creatively fulfilled by doing that. I'm not good at that. Yeah. We talk a lot about this on the show uh, about getting fired. Kim and I are both sort of in the fired from big jobs club. (laughs) Um, And, (laughs) and I, I think that like, Getting fired can really lead to a reevaluation of where you are in your life. And I know you've talked about getting fired. Oh my God. And I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. I've been fired from every job, every, (laughs) every job, except for the, I never got fired from vice. Although I was never technically hired there. I was just (laughs) freelance. I didn't get fired from working at the hotel. I didn't get fired. I got, I, di- I got fired from Judy's store once, but then she, <laughs> <laughs> every TV show I've, I know I, it was for the best. Every TV show I've, I've either not been asked back or I've, I got fired from Brooklyn nine, nine. I got fired from love my own show. How did that feel? It felt awful. It was the worst pain of my life. The worst. 
I don't feel that pain now. Those experiences were blessings, but I say that with a heavy heart. First of all, I didn't get fired from girls, but I didn't get asked back for a third season, which doesn't feel good. I'm sure. But it happens. Sometimes it's just they need, they want to change up the room. They want to add new voices. And it's not like that, that one person's voice is that critical to the process or that person could be annoying. I was just talking to Natalie about this, actually, our producer, before we taped. Sometimes you're just not what they're looking for. Totally. Sometimes it's just not a good fit. I am not the best person to work with either, especially when I was younger and like first starting out. And even now, like, I like to think that people enjoy working with me sometimes. (laughs) That's like the best I can hope for. I mean, you know, I try to be, I try to do the job in all in all aspects to the best of my ability. I try to be as transparent as possible. I don't like, I don't like hierarchies and like beating around the bush kind of thing. But I also think working at Vice, which was a very, very tough place to work, really gave me a thick skin. Mm -hmm. And those guys really were tough with me. And LA Hollywood writers rooms are not like that. They're much, people's emotions are much softer. And I I think I've not always been the softest person to work with in that respect. And now a word from our sponsors. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. 
I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry leading sustainability standards. You know, I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Uh, okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. I've, I've heard you talk about being like a scary girl or like a person who yells a lot. And I want to talk a little bit about anger because I think it's really useful when you're young mm -hmm. and then especially as a woman. But then as we get older, I think it, it kind of it can really lose its usefulness, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's anger and then there's self-righteous anger. And the idea of feel, not only feeling I'm angry, but I'm not only am I angry, but I'm right. And I'm, I have the right to be angry and I have the right to say this. And that's where it gets very dangerous for me. That is not useful. Like anger is a feeling like any other feeling. And it's important that we feel it and move on. It is important that we don't act on it. Does it happen sometimes? Sure. It's not just me, you know, like people, people get mad and they have different ways of dealing with it. Some people get, some people shut down. Some people yell, some people get passive aggressive. Some people get sarcastic, you know, some people are triggered by like, I'm very, I'm not triggered when people yell, but I'm very triggered by sarcasm and I'm very triggered by somebody shutting down. Mm -hmm. And I also shut down too. So, mm -hmm. but when people yell, so, so it's kind of like your love languages, like some people are really responsive to certain love languages and some not so much, like there, there are good matches to that. And then there are poor matches. I think what's important is being honest at, with myself about who I am and how my intention is never to one self-righteous anger is not a reality for me. It, it is, it just isn't maybe for some people it is. And maybe, you know, I can see how that, how that conversation could be turned if you're protesting or for a good cause or something like that. And I'm not saying that that's the wrong thing, but for me, it is a slippery slope it, in my, it, it's within my best interest to just like cease fighting all people and all things. Like I can't fight fair. It's mm. because I have, I have a delusion and I can convince myself that I'm right. And that is where it gets really, that's where it starts getting scary because I just don't think that, that that's, I don't think that that's a universal truth for, for anybody. It just isn't a safe place for me, especially in the workforce. Now it could be true. It could, it could be true that like I was wronged 
and I do have a right to be anger, angry, and I am, and I am hurt, and all those things could be true, but like, it doesn't mean that it's my job to bring that person or that situation to justice. It just doesn't, right. it just doesn't work for me. Sometimes it doesn't matter if you're right. And also it's the, the thing is like, the thing is like not being reactive is just like the key to everything, especially if you have a short fuse and especially if you're a little rough around the edges, I feel like, you know, it's yeah. just like, okay, I just need to take a pause here because also that first reaction might not be how you feel in a couple of hours, right? I mean, this is so like basic, but something it took me so long to learn and I still pop off. Right. And it's like, people don't expect women to pop off that much. Like there's all these stories about like women, like, oh, you know, we had like, you know, men are always interrupting women and I, they never resonate with me because I'm always interrupting everybody, <laughs> you know? Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way. There are also just different kinds of anger. You know, there's the kind of anger that motivates you and clarifies things. And there's the kind of anger that's just fucking corrosive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't want to be a scary person. I don't want to be a scary girl. I think that part of my adulthood has been figuring out how to earn people's respect instead of like demanding it just because I'm like in a position where I think I'm owed it or something. Like I've always had really a really good experience with the kind of bosses or mentors who were really, really tough and really straightforward, but not mean and not mm -hmm. scary, but like somebody who I know I could always go to with a problem or with an idea, but only if it's very important because I don't want to waste their time because I respect them. Like I... I have that with like a couple of people who I've worked with in my life. And I like to be that kind of person. Who are your, who are your like mentors? If you had any, like, did you have mentors that you're like, yes, that person. Absolutely. I, that's the kind of person I want to be. You were just saying, but are there specific people you have in mind? My friend, Bruce, Eric Kaplan, wonderful friend and mentor. Also Jenny Connor, who was the showrunner on girls. Dan Harmon. I get so um, creatively motivated and excited when I work with him. Jill Soloway is awesome. She kind of like changed the game in a lot of ways that I think people might be dismissive over at this point. But I went to visit her on set once or I went to shadow her for a day when I was fired from love and I wanted to see what the set of Transparent was like. And I had never seen anything like that. It was it was incredible. It was, it was just so cool. In what way, in what way was the, in what way was the transparent set? Like, was it loving and open? Yeah. Like, that's how I kind of, yeah, it was. <laughs> and every day, I mean, granted they had, they, they made Amazon, right? So they were the, they were a huge success for Amazon. And so they were given a lot of freedom and a lot of money. And every day on their set, they would start it with a morning meeting, which is sort of like everybody, the entire cast and crew would gather in a big circle and somebody, there'd be like a soapbox in the middle of the, an apple crate or whatever in the middle of the circle. And somebody would just go in and share. And like, sometimes it would be really specific. Like, I'm sorry if I was rude yesterday, you know, that I remember the first AD went in and she was, and the first AD has a really, really tough job because they have to tell everybody 
to move and hurry up. And I feel for the first AD, they have to have very thick skin. They're like the soccer coach, you know, they just have to tell everybody to hustle, hustle. And so the first AD went and she was like, I'm sorry if I was a bitch yesterday. I'm sorry if I was rude. I just, it's just my job. And I don't want you guys to take it personally. And like, I love first ADs because they really are such teddy bears, but they, they're, they're yellers. Like that's their job. So it was like, it was just so cool. And then I remember Jill went into the circle and she was like, you know, I wake up every day, like not knowing how to do my job. And I think, I don't think I can do this. And then I just do it. And I, and it was so collaborative and it was so cool. Like hearing everybody really just like, talk like people. Whereas I was coming from a set where you pretended like you knew everything or, you know, I I can only speak for myself, but, and it wasn't just love. It was every other show I had been on. It was like, even if I don't know something, I better pretend like I do. You know, and that doesn't acknowledge that there is so much power in acknowledging what you don't know. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's not something that makes you look weak. In fact, I think it makes you appear really strong and brave. And I think it's cool. And I have no problem doing that. I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's always the best leadership skill, but maybe I'm not the best leader, you know, like, which is fine and fair. I, I mean, I'm, definitely not. Uh So when I was show running on Betty, it was my first experience as a showrunner. And I went in and I was like, look, I don't, it's not like I know how to do this better than any of you guys. Like this is a collaboration. And I, I didn't want to make it seem like I didn't know what I was doing, but at the same time, I didn't want them to think that I knew more than I did. You know, I just wanted to be very transparent I think there's a difference between the the idea that oh I don't know how, I don't know what I'm doing oh my god you like this who's going to steer this ship and the feeling of like you know I fuck up too sometimes and I feel like an imposter here too sometimes and I don't know everything but when I don't know it I'm going to try to find the answers right mm-hmm. I think there's a difference in that vulnerability rather than that top-down management style, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I'm sure you've had, I know Kim's had, I've had, which is just like, I am the only, I am the end-all be-all. I have all the answers and you're a peon, Mm -hmm. which drove me fucking crazy when I was working. And I think there's a happy balance in in the middle is what I'm saying, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I want to talk about something that's not work. I want to talk about your podcast, which I really love a lot, Filling the Void. I It's a podcast where um, you talk to people about the things they do purely for joy with no agenda, just for listeners who don't know. So things that are hobbies that are not a side hustle, not tied to capitalism or careerism. Why did you want to do a podcast like that? I just wanted to talk to people about their hobbies because I have so many hobbies that have taken over my life. What are some of your hobbies? Well, right now I'm like obsessed with punch needle. And so I've just been making a ton of punch needle and we're going to sell them as pillows at Judy's store. I've done painting, watercolors for years, collage, lots of arts and crafts, needlepoint, embroidery, archery, 
You're reminding me of you're reminding me of Mac, Max Fisher and Rushmore. Oh my God! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's what. It, <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm picturing you doing all of these things. <laughs> my, I'm like a retired person. <laughs> you know, they've, they've just taken over. Like I don't. I don't like like writing when writing became more of a job, it kind of stopped being a creative outlet in the sense that I don't like journal as much anymore. I don't work on poetry as much anymore. Now that'll change. The thing about my hobbies is that they go in and out, but I'm really obsessive compulsive when it comes to this stuff and I just cannot stop, but I don't do the podcast anymore. Did I just, did I already say that? No, no, oh, I don't do it. Any, but but, it, I, but people should look it up because it's really good. I don't I don't have any hobbies. I don't have any hobbies. As a kid, I didn't ha- I didn't really have hobbies. What's a good starter hobby? Well, I also think that you do. You're just not giving yourself enough credit. So like when you're not doing your podcast, which I'm assuming that this is some form of job for you. We're trying to make it that way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's fair. I mean, also starting my podcast was kind of trying on doing the podcast as a hobby because talking can be a hobby. Interviewing people can be a hobby, but you're a writer. You're right. Like what what do you, what, when you're not working, what do you do in your downtime? Well, Leslie, I, I play a lot of word games on my phone love that um are you you know i i got a dog the dog and i go for a lot of you know multiple walks oh having a dog is a total having a dog is i mean that is like a genre of hobby awesome i I have a dog i have a dog and i love my dog but she's not my hobby like i don't we don't walk our dog like there's a whole dog culture not saying that you're in it but like you can go hard in a dog hobby Wordplay games on your phone, same thing as wordplay games, crossword puzzles, whatever it is, analog style. That's a hobby. I, I suck at wordplay games. I play solitaire. I play spider solitaire. <laughs> but I love playing cards and I would I'm very interested in card playing becoming a hobby of mine. Jennifer, what's your hobby? Oh, I'm like a I'm a project person. Like I'm never not doing a project like, and even shit that I'm bad at, like I'm bad at plants and gardening, but I try every year anyway. And like, I'm always painting a wall or it's just, that's a very different type of person. Like I'm, I have a very unsettled brain, so I'm always doing something, you know, there's always like a project happening. Like I, I taught, I took some wood shop classes and I learned to make a chair love that okay. that's so I have a lot of those so you have a lot of <laughs> hobbies I mean always having a project like that is something look my husband came on and he said he didn't have a hobby and he has so many one of them is the news my husband's mm-hmm. like obsessed with news like I don't look at the news like I get my news from him so like if I still did it you guys would be so great Oh, you know what else I started doing was dyeing a lot of fabric. I taught That's myself cool. to do all different cool dyeing fabric. And then I sent them to people as gifts. Like I made napkins and I made tea towels. That was like a big COVID summer last summer. I spent a lot of time. I love that. that. I remember yeah. from your Instagram. I remember the, yeah. the, the tie dye t-shirts drying outdoors. 
it was a lot. Part of the reason why it's hard for me to do dying and resin is because I have such a little kid, you know, I want her to get into it, but that's a goal of mine. I like, I would love to dye my own yarn. Yeah. Leslie, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so great. Thank you so much for having me and talking to me. This has been so fun. You girls are awesome. And I hope that your podcast does become everything you want it to be. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. Our producer is Natalie Rivera. You can find Leslie Arfin at Leslie Arfin on Instagram. You can also find her show Love on Netflix and her show Betty on HBO. If you want to support our show, please join our Patreon at patreon.com backslash everything is fine. And be sure to rate it and review it on all the platforms, which really makes a difference. You can follow the show's Instagram at EIF podcast. Email us at everything is fine, the podcast at Gmail. And you can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, You can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.